Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you hey, a house. Jacks. I'm Tom Howe, Andrew on board, SB Futures. Now 34, NASDAQ Futures down 62. Uh, we were uh, swimming, doing swimmingly well until... Uh, all of a sudden, the credit default swaps. Hey, remember those? Remember those, everybody? Credit default swaps? Well, it's a term we haven't used in a while. Went up on Deutsche Bank is to, to ensure your uh, German lenders' shares retreated for a third consecutive day and have now lost more than a fifth of their value so far this month. Credit default swaps, a form of insurance for a company's bondholders against its default, left to 173 basis points on Thursday night from 102, 142 the night before. Speaking of credit default swaps, do we have Mr. O'Neill? I am here. Good morning. So uh, so what would a credit default swap on Kevin O'Neill be doing this morning, going up or down? Um, it would just be swapping. Just be swapping away. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll swap up, we'll swap down. As long as we're swapping, what more do you need? I, uh, what, I, what I think we should do, Kevin, is we should elect a bunch of people who hire a bunch of people, a bunch of bureaucrats, that seem to have no ability to look down the street for, let's see, if we shove a car down the street downhill, it just might crash into something at the end of the block. Instead of just, this is this is so much fun, setting the car going down the street by itself. Why, why, why with all the screwing around they did with these bands all over the place, how does anybody have a, a remote shock that people's balance sheets over in Europe don't look so hot? I, I wouldn't be being the guest, but you know, I like the push on the car down the hill analogy. But I'm, I'm much more fond of the uh, the famous Laurel and Hardy piano scene. Yeah, or you could be in like uh, some areas of the city where you shoot guns in the air on New Year's Eve and not realizing that whatever comes up goes up sort of comes <laughs> down. Must come down. Must come yes. down. <laughs> and you just hope it doesn't land on your head, you know, type of thing. I somehow or another, but I I guess people in those areas you might expect to not know that or would, would hope they would, but maybe they don't. People that you're paying their salary and are supposed to be the cream of the crop in their mind anyway, it it gets rather aggravating. It just it does for me. I'm 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 tired of having losers that I'm paying their salary. Was it just me or being grumpy or what? Uh, no, I, I actually uh, we it's it's not just that we pay people's salaries, but we pay for their bureaucracies as well. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's it's one thing to to pay for uh, incompetent leadership, quite another to let leadership just pad 
their uh, um, uh, their their departments with useless people who don't do anything well, and uh, uh, you know. But that's always been, you know, how many times have I said on 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 this show where, you know, there's there's great constitutional arguments for limited government, but but I think the better arguments are uh, incompetence and corruption. Well, yeah, I uh, I, I know when they when they started, wasn't this uh, Elizabeth Warren's thing? And I find myself beating up on her more often lately. But wasn't her big shtick this Consumer Protection Bureau? Yeah, works pretty well too, doesn't it? Yeah, it's working great. But of course, the people who were supposed to do that, being the Fed, the Comptroller, the currency, the uh, who the guys, the communications people, all those people, we already had people who were supposed to do everything this group's supposed to do. But no, we need a new group. And I was reading this. This is years ago, Kevin. We were doing the show, but I, I was reading about how they had to get a building, and there were fifteen thousand people that were going to be hired here. So you needed. A huge HR department. You needed, uh, God knows what else. You needed fifteen thousand desks. You needed. By the time you were done, just to put all these people there before you even figured out what they were supposed to do, the the, the costs are enormous. And how do you? And what what do you? There have to be procedures. There have to. It has to be supervision. <laughs> There's got to be somebody's got to write procedures. There's got to be supervision. There's got to be trips. You got to go somewhere to find out who you're supposed to be messing with. I, you know. Kevin, it's mind-boggling. At the end of the day, what do they, what do, they do? The other people, you just keep putting layer and layer on top of people. I mean, I every morning now, if, if I wasn't grumpy enough, this Kennedy thing, they're now, it's taken them a week just to, just to well, not even done yet, to, to cut off the two lanes. Now, I, I really hope, although I, I know my heart of hearts, I really hope this isn't a, a burn interchange sort of thing where for the next three years are you going to see you know, 25 people out there at best working eight hours. No second shift, no weekends, no nothing. But I have a feeling that's what we're going to look and see. And w- why would anybody put up with that? At any kind of a contract that's inconveniencing the people who are paying your salary. Do you think that there has been any consideration, uh, uh, serious consideration? Well, let me put it this way. Let's try it this way. Let's prioritize who the contractors are. Well, we know Instead they of are. prioritizing the uh, it, the impact on the people being uh, um, mitigated. Well, well, the idea of of not working around the clock on something a project of this magnitude. I used to have a well, I used to have the guy who's got to be long dead now. A guy named Bob Long at uh, he was a program manager at uh, at Pullman, and when I, I mean, you know, there was a lot of there was off time in, in everybody's business day going back a ways. And now your off time is, you know, you watch NCAAs on your on your computer or something or do whatever else you're doing on your computer. You answer emails and stuff all day and company time and whatever. In those days, there was, there was none of that stuff. I mean, even if you were talking on the phone to somebody all day, people would say, well, who the hell are you talking to? But you, you did get to wander around and, and essentially talk to people about the project and you, you might get off topic. But anyway, Bob was a program manager with world worldwide uh, <coughs> Experience and in his office, you'd laugh at it now, Kevin, because there were book upon book about how to how to bid for projects of various kinds, bridges, roads, tunnels. I mean, you name it. There were books on everything, and how many hours this was supposed to take, and that's supposed to. I mean, people actually now. I'm sure all that stuff is in a in a landfill someplace. I don't even know if you could recreate any of it, but but he he would tell me some even in some place like Brazil, I think it was Brazil. If you if you were going to do a road work, they mandated. 24-7 to get the job done. 
because you're inconveniencing people. But here, here <clears throat> two years, three years, what the hell? How many people are you gonna work in? Four or five? What? The, that's that sounds good. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, it's, I mean, it's it's astounding to me. You know, and, no, and if I say something like this, nobody knows what I'm talking about. Is is it is it is the new way of doing things just so screwed up? Nobody even knows the, the other way. <laughs> I, we would. Uh, the, the answer is uh, yeah, <laughs> it's so screwed up. It, it, again, the you know, it, are people in government for uh, career advancement, or are they in government for uh, service? I, I, I think we've com- in many cases we've completely lost track of the notion that government is supposed to be about service. You mean Glenn Campbell's song no longer applies? He's a lineman for the county. Um, no, better to be a lineman for the Bears. They need him. Oh, God, yeah. So uh, explain to me now, when, when Dr. J and I went over years and years ago to lecture on options at some banks over in Europe, we uh, lectured at a uh, uh, place in Frankfurt called Dresdner Bank. The thing was huge. I mean, you know, it was a beautiful, beautiful place. They, of course, got taken over at some point by Deutsche Bank. Is is the kind they can ta- constantly you have, to, you have to combine these banks, right? And we're still doing it. Uh, why did that ever have to happen, Kevin? And now we've got Deutsche Bank, and I'm sure they, Dresdner Bank wasn't the only bank that they took over in the last 25, 30 years. Now we've got these guys allegedly in trouble, and now we got the market down a bunch this morning after making a rally yesterday. Even though we started to slip on the close pretty much, we still were in a plus. Um, does anybody think all these bank mergers... Been a good thing. Does this, I mean, does uh, J.P. Morgan really have to take over Chase that took over First National? And what? What? Why? What? What is the point of this? Well, I, I I can't make even a theoretical argument for that. So I you know I don't know what to tell you, Tom, uh, because there 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 would be, you know, if, if you were going to do some kind of theoretical argument on it, you would say, well, bigger is better, bigger is safer, something like that. But that's not the case. So, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you, and I and it tends to be anti-competitive. So now we're in a situation where, um, uh, you know, we're we're putting the uh, stamp of approval on anti-competitive mergers, which we do all the time anyway. So, well, was it be any? I don't know why this one would need to be any different, but but your uh, your banking experience wasn't there a law, which of course everybody totally ignores. That not one bank could have over ten percent of the deposits in the country. Now, don't aren't all four of these big ones over ten percent? I know Bank America was for they were the first ones through the through the number without without being told to cut back. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have to go look at the number of it, but you you would think that would be a uh, you know for if if you're going to insure the banks, you would think that would be a reasonable target. In fact, in fact, maybe it needs to be lower than that. I think I think all four of the big ones are over it. I mean, I'll have to check that out, but I, I think that I know that uh, I think Wells Fargo was too. Well, Wells Fargo is a boatload of depositors, aren't they? I mean, uh, I, you know, the last time I was in the Western states, there's nowhere near as many little banks out west as there are here. I mean, we're, the, we're still spoiled in the Midwest. Do you see? Do you see Wells in the um, Chicago area? You know, I, I see a couple of storefronts. I don't. I don't think they're, they've gained. Matter of fact, didn't didn't we report like a year ago that they actually were making a push to get back in the Chicago area or something like that? Yeah, I don't remember. We we have them in the region over here. So um. I think I think they're here, but there's so many other people. I mean, especially downtown. Although one of the banks downtown here got bought by one of the crypto companies. I, I don't know how well they're doing with that. I, I don't know. I mean, I, keep I, your money there. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> if you want to keep your dough there. But uh, hey, what about those games last night? Pretty good stuff, huh? 
Yeah, and you know what? Um, I, I woke up for the end of the both of those two great games. <laughs> well, I was I watched the uh, I watched Michigan State, and then I somehow transferred right over to the uh, UCLA game. I must have I don't know what I was doing in the middle. I was doing some stuff for the show today, and then I went back and uh, the one team, well, the one the one game was a blowout, so I, I I blew by that one. I blew by the blowout, uh, and then I I thought Tennessee was winning enough, so I, I didn't really dive into that one, but the, the Gonzaga-UCLA was close the whole way, so I just focused on that one. And I, and I evidently I missed a really good one with the Florida, the Central Florida. FAU coming back, yeah. yeah. So I missed that one, but I, I did watch Michigan State, and I thought Michigan State was going to get them at the end, but they didn't. Um, Michigan State seems to have mastered the art of uh, scoring in the 90s and losing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, what's weird is all you have to do in the last three minutes is one of the guys take some massive long three and make it. Because then everybody else down the floor... And by the way, I, w- I was thinking of you uh, um, seriously the other night. Because one day you were at and you said something about you'd, you'd be in the huddle, not, or real close to the huddle, with Mike Bray, and he would outline something, and the team would go out and do exactly the opposite. Yeah, it actually wasn't a Bray thing. It was something I saw on TV. Okay. Um, you know, but they, they had the cam- it was camera in the huddle. Yeah. And um yeah, they they everybody got it? Everybody got it? Yeah, 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 everybody got it. Okay, and then they go out and do the total opposite of what they just said that we that they had. Well, yeah. they, they lost I, I would hate coaching that age group. Well, I they, really they, would. They, uh, they lost to Kansas State, right? Michigan State. Yeah. So I mean they, they Kansas State was good. They're they're yeah. an entertaining team, aren't they? Well, and I think the coach seems like a really good guy. He they interview him at halftime. One of the ladies, you know, runs up and interviews him and he goes, "Well, you know, we're taking way too many threes. We can always get that shot. The idea is we're going to get the ball in further and try and get some guys in foul trouble and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to say the first ten shots, guys won up threes. After he talked to him at halftime about that. <laughs> These guys don't pay any attention. They love this three. It's a lot easier. You don't have to work very hard. You just wing it up there, and you think you're a star when it goes in. I mean, it, I mean, I watched some of the girls. Kevin, one of the girls that wasn't on her name was one of the teams last week. The two teams were like one for 28 on the threes, yet they kept winging them up. Well, they kept winging them up because, yeah. because you know, I, I actually spent some time one one season back when I was covering Notre Dame asking them about uh, about shooting. And, you know, player after player, with one exception, player after player said, yep, I don't care if I miss the last five. If it's open I, and it's a good shot, I take it. Um, coach says, you know, says uh, don't hesitate. Don't want you uh, thinking twice about it. And the only guy who didn't was Jaron Grant. Uh, Jaron Grant, who was a very streaky shooter, and he knew it. Um, and so you'd see if he missed the first couple, he'd just stop taking them. If he made the first couple, he'd take more. Um, and it was right there in his numbers, so I knew it when I was asking about it. And, and so I said, do, you know, do you heat check early in the game? He said, yes, I do. <laughs> well, the it's idea like, that, the, you know, the, 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 um, the metaphysics, or whatever you want to call the stats, are that um, your percentage on a three even though it's less than the other, you're going to get three instead of two, so you're better off taking it. I think that that is the most disingenuous comment, but everybody's lo- is locked onto it. I don't see any way that you have a if you have a, a, a worked for mid range shot. Now, pr- now if you never practice it, and all you do is practice the threes, maybe it's different. But if you have a, a worked for mid range shot where your team gets you the ball, where you're kind of free in this 15, 16 foot range, you can't tell me that you're better off taking a three, Kevin. Than that. I mean, well, I, I I think there's there is data to support taking threes, especially in college, because it's a short 
shot you know it's a fairly short three three point shot um but there but the that's not the only data there right the data that's that's also there is that shots close to the basket uh are 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 important too especially getting to the free throw line is important so you have to go inside out and if you go inside out your three-point shooting game is going to be more effective anyway if you just pass the ball around the perimeter until someone jacks one up yeah you're gonna you're gonna suck by the way your buddy Um, who's older than you timmy almost blew the game with free throws last night been missing him yeah um, you know, and what is he like? Thirty-two now. And, uh, uh, I was going to say forty-two. Oh, okay, forty-two. <laughs> um, yeah, you get you need your veterans to make your make their shots. You know what, though, the guy. So, you ha- you happy with the uh, the new Irish coach? Um, I don't know that much about him, but I tell you what, if he if he was an assistant under the guy at Butler, I have a lot of hopes because I think that guy was really. For, uh, he he actually was the uh, head coach at Indiana University South Bend for two years. A uh, long time ago, and Brad Stevens uh, hired him to be on the staff at Butler. Well, Brad um, Stevens, I've been a huge fan of forever. Yeah, and then uh, and then he uh, when between uh, Butler and the Celtics, he was uh, an assistant at Purdue, um, and but then uh, went to uh, Stevens hired him to be an assistant for the Celtics. Uh, Stevens has since moved on from the Celtics bench to be the president of the Boston Celtics. Um, what a and, great what uh, a great career path that guy's had, and he's been really good at every level. Well, you know, he he was an attorney. He was a successful attorney. Don't say that. But um, everybody's going to think bad of him. Well, I, I know, but the the point is, he he decided to shift into coaching because that was his love. So you know, they'll think well of him when he realized that he was on a bad path. <laughs> but. Um, but you know he's not your average uh, your average schmuck that's you know, that, that gets into coaching. Uh, he, you know he was he had a little bit different perspective on things, and that that really prepared him for a career path to lead him where he is now. And uh, and so that's pretty good. So Shrewsbury was working as an uh, assistant for the uh, Celtics when Penn State hired him. So he's a little light on head coaching experience, only two years, but he did really well in his two years. Um, and uh, what what I liked about you know the times I saw um, uh, saw Penn State play this year is that they were just tough. You know they they were a good defensive team. They uh, you know they they were hard to play. Matt Weber um, uh, texted me yesterday and said uh, um, every team in the Big Ten hated playing Penn State. Uh, be, you know because of that. Now they finished like tenth place, one game out of ninth. And ninth, you know, was like a ninth was like a three-way tie for third, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. a six-way tie for third. So you know, they they were they were competitive in their league as well. So um, you know, I'm I'm pleased. I think that's uh, about as well as I could have hoped Notre Dame would do. There were other coaches out there that I liked, but I'm I'm real pleased to uh, to have Shrewsbury. Um, I don't, I'm, and I'm not saying there are other coaches that I liked more. I just think there are other coaches out there that were also would have been really fine candidates too. Well, uh, just a quick aside. I was one of my uh, clients happens to be a, a Notre Dame grad. Imagine that. Uh, he played football uh, before us, Kevin. A uh, real nice guy, and he was uh, he was telling me. I said, you know, uh, Kevin, uh, you said something. There might have been a, a little bit of a something between the AD and Bray. That's kind of just been festering over the years, and, and some of it had to do maybe with the the doctor thing, and some and who knows what about the transfer thing. I don't know, but they never never seem to be on the same page. <laughs> What's the guy named Schwarbrick? Uh, yeah, he yeah. goes. 
He goes, well, you know, Schwarbeck, he's an attorney, so you can't believe a word he says. He'll lie right to your face. I'm like, okay, then. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't think Lou or our guys feel that way, but, I mean, there are, they have a different – I guess when, you, when, you're, when you're defending people you know are guilty, but you, they need a defense anyway, I guess you somehow – Yeah, well, I, I, he wasn't a defense attorney. No, in, yeah, fact, no. in fact, my, my problem with his uh, legal background is that um, – uh, he, uh, he he was counsel for USA Gymnastics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, when when all of that crap was going on um, with uh, I can't remember the doctor's name now. Uh, yeah. So uh, and, and and of course that was, the, was, was that was on Notre Dame's website prominently that he had this big role, and then all of a sudden it was not on the website at all. Well, imagine that. Um, hey, quick question on and the the two I'm going to say big hires of the last week. I mean, was the the dude the dude? How's that for being Southside? Uh, leaving Providence and going to Georgetown, essentially in the same the same conference. Yeah, that's that's Ed Cooley, who I think is a terrific coach. Oh, I, I do too. I mean, I, matter of fact, uh, the uh, the Tripoli Tap has become sort of a Providence bar. So a couple times I was in there with my attorney and judge buddies. Uh, the next table was just a whole bunch of young kids from uh, that went to Providence. And I tell you what, Kevin, I was really impressed every time I met this. It was different groups. There'd be like 10, 12 people. They were, they were for their team. They were very polite. They weren't loud. They could sit and talk to adults all night long, talk about school and what they were doing now. I mean, it was, uh, I'm very impressed by, by the, Friar, the Friar kids because Bill Murphy's, my buddy Bill Murphy's daughter went to Providence, and she really loved it. Anyway, but uh, is, that, is, is that a lateral move? Is that a, is that a step up? I mean, oh, it, it, it's a lateral move, and, and uh, the, the stuff I've read about that was uh, that, you know, really related to um, him being a little at odds with his uh, administration there as well. So uh, I, I think it was a lateral move because he because he, he really wanted to get away from it. Well, the same same question is for our guy in Notre Dame, Penn State to Notre Dame. Is it that's not a move up, is it, or is it what is that? Um, you know, it, it is essentially a lateral move, uh, and uh, for my for my part uh, part. I, I really thought that w- the most likely scenario for him was that he would get an extension at Penn State and that his, uh, you know, uh, Notre Dame's and other programs' leverage would have been, lever- or uh, interest would have been leverage for him to get the extension. Uh, so I, I was a little surprised, and it may be that, uh, that they just out, you know, Notre Dame outbid Penn State. I don't know. I think they're offering them, like, you know, what I've read is a seven-year deal. They're going to announce, they're going to pay well, their gonna official have, announcement today. It's going to be four years um, before they have anything. Is this year you and I might be playing? Um, I don't think that's going to be the case now. Uh, first of all, I, 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 think, um, I think most of the guys on the existing team are going to stay. Well, the one guy's leaving. Uh, Starling's gone. Starling's right. gone, but uh, I think Lubin will stay. I think Don Campbell will stay. That's Jared Kanevsky will stay. That's uh, sat out in, uh, as a redshirt, so that they'll have him. Um, I, 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 I do believe that uh, um, a Penn State commit, um, whose name happens to be Shrewsbury because he's the coach's son, will come with the coach. Right, so um, then, then there's Kevin in chief. There's five. There's Kevin in chief, um, so we're we're good. Yeah, um, we, we get, we get which, to start. <laughs> I, now, for the record, 
um, you know, my, my basketball skills are like this. I've always said that, you know, I, I have uh, center skills in a six-foot body. Oh, yeah. Um, but truth be told, I have backup center skills in a six-foot body. Well, I, I, I absolutely, the worst white man's disease on earth. You couldn't slip a, a, a napkin under my foot when I jumped. So uh, yeah, so we we have that, but no, they'll 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 fill out the roster. The uh, um, one of the incoming uh, um, uh, freshman uh, Marcus Burton, uh, who is a candidate for Mister Basketball in Indiana as a point guard, uh, had tweeted out like yesterday that he was really pleased and he's definitely coming to Notre Dame. Uh, there's another uh, recruit from the West Coast that uh, who was waiting to talk, you know, uh, it, uh, waiting to meet the new coach before uh, deciding whether but he I would, would uh, keep his uh, uh, keep his commitment to Notre Dame. Uh, so, uh, you know, and, and I think people are going, I think the people who are waiting to know who the coach is are going to be happy with this. I just, I mean, I look at, I'm not, Trying to dis- we have to go to break here anyway, but I'm not trying to disparage my former school, but in terms of everything, arena size, people showing up, student interest, TV, I got to believe in this area, 10 times more people have the Big Ten network than have the ACC network. I, I don't think it's even close uh, to being a lateral move. Well, the, uh, except the guy yeah, likes Indiana. The guy's well, from the, Indiana. The thing is, it's it's Penn State versus Notre Dame, so we're not talking about blue blood programs in either case. Yeah, um, and and that's kind of the point. And actually, Notre Dame has a much stronger basketball history, even the last twenty years' history, than uh, uh, than Penn State by a long shot. Plus, Shrewsbury's an Indiana native. That's what I'm saying. He's uh, Indiana native, and, it's big and that that may matter as well. He's from uh, is he from India? Or, no, he's, he's from, from Indianapolis. He okay. went to Cathedral High School with a couple of our buddies. Not um, with them because no, he's, he's like, much younger than he's, them. But uh, but you know they're they're all um, high school alma maters. Our buddies are old. What can I tell you? Uh, so old they fart dust. Yes, yes. S and P futures down twenty seven. Come back a little bit. Uh, Nasdaq futures down forty five. Come back. We'll talk a little bit more about the banks. But it's so boring talking about banks when all they're doing is is in trouble and they're causing the market to go down. It's bad. We'll be right back. Stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. 
Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody. Stacks and Jackson. I'm Tom Allen. We're on board. SP Futures down 28. Uh, we're supposed to be up today, but we are not. Uh, it's because of Deutsche Bank. Uh, Nasdaq Futures down 47. We got Dow Futures down 330. Individual stacks, as you might expect. Goldman Sachs down 660. We've got uh, J.P. Morgan down 269, uh, Microsoft down a buck 37. I'm done with this. There's a, a huge uh, split between how the different indices that one might think all move together. Matter of fact, I had a, a client. Uh, well, hopefully, it'll be a client talking about the indices all move together, don't they? And I go, uh, not exactly, not lately. The Russell has been getting annihilated. The, the QQQs, which is the NASDAQ, has gone straight to the moon, and the spiders are sort of in the middle. So it's because we have big positions in all three, and I'll tell you what, every one of them is its own. It's like three different animals, and it really shouldn't be that way, but it, but it is. Over in Asia, Asia, we've got the Nikkei down 34.1%, Hang Seng down 133, 19.915, so just under 20,000. Shanghai down 21.6%. How much yesterday we were up. We were up a lot more than this all during the day and like leaked the last hour. The Dow was up 75, S&P up 11, NASDAQ up 117. Like I said, the NASDAQ was up another 1% yesterday. It's like 1, 1% a day minimum. Uh, over in Europe, we've got, you might, as you might expect, the DAX down 338, that's 2.2% since Deutsche Bank is a German bank. Uh, FTSE down 145, 1.9%. Kakaron down 158, 2.2%. Uh, bonds. Down 8.30 seconds, 3.32. The Bund down 13, 2.05. Almost danger going under 2 here. Uh, Japan up 8 to 0.38. We've got oil. Here's a big move. Down 4%. Down 273, 67.23. Brent down 283, 73.08. Natural gas up 4 cents, 220. Arbob down 7 cents, 253. We've got gold up $1.10 to 1997. Still can't quite get that 2000 number, but uh, we'll see if it does today or next week. Silver up eight cents, twenty-three thirty-four. 
Copper down five cents, four oh six. So everybody knows I got a lot of people in, in some gold and gold miners positions. And uh, you know, one hand says it might break through this time. Another one says that every time it's gotten here before, it's been a sell. So this trading is not as easy as it thinks, as you as you may think. By everybody telling you how easy it is. Bitcoin down seventy six bucks, twenty eight thousand one oh eight. And we've got the uh, the dollar is uh, is up pretty big to uh, one. The euro's down to one oh seven, and the, and the uh, the pound was down is down to one twenty two after being. Uh, it's, it's like a 0.6% move on both of them. Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevi, with our sports boy? An awful lot of stuff there. All right. Yeah, it is uh, 6.38 here in Chicago on March 24th. Uh, starting off with sports, specifically college basketball, we are down to the Sweet 16. And Kansas beat Michigan State last, or sorry, Kansas State beat Michigan State last night, uh, 98 to 93. UConn beat Arkansas in a blowout, 88 to 65. FAU upset Tennessee 62 to 55, and Gonzaga beat UCLA 79 to 76. Over to hockey, the Blackhawks lost to the Capitals 1 to 6 over in Washington. And moving over to Chicago weather, it's currently 36 degrees, mostly cloudy skies, gonna have a high of 40 degrees today. And over in Phoenix, they're at 47 degrees, partly cloudy skies, and they're gonna have a high of 67. Now, finally for Chicago traffic, uh, I feel like a little bit of traffic is more than the usual here on a Friday on the inbound expressways, but specifically if you're coming in from that north side on the 90 and 94, you got pretty heavy traffic inbound from Austin and Toohey, uh, leading right before the junction to Fullerton due to that new Kennedy construction. It is pretty bad out there. That's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Um, Kevin, I, when you talk about these credit default swaps, and we're not going to go into it real technically today, although we, maybe one of these days we should, but it, it really is, it's always been astounding to me that anybody feels that they can insure um, anybody of that size. I mean, when you went back to the 2008 fiasco when we had all the credit default swaps blew up on everybody, uh, you had people insuring stuff to the, to the, to the extent of what, what are these people even thinking? Wasn't it, was it AIG that wrote mortgage insurance on 40% of all the homes in California? I mean, does anybody really think that anybody has that kind of money to cover that? I mean, if if, if you write on a bond, first of all, if, if you look at, if you do any kind of economic theory, Kevin, and boot me if I'm wrong here, if if you were to, if somebody's paying, say the, say the risk-free rate is 3%, and maybe maybe your prime is 6 and a, a credit default swap, or I mean a, a junk bond might be 10 or 11 Right, your your market is se- is telling you, or should be telling you, that the difference in risk between the two, and you should be getting compensated for that. So, if you go out and buy a junk bond, I'm not saying Deutsche Bank is a junk bond or anything like that, but if you went out and buy, bought a junk bond and you bought insurance on the junk bond to get you down to where the essentially double A AA or triple A rate. Would be why, in theory, Kevin, wouldn't you just give up all your money on your insurance you just were hoping to get? I mean, the difference between the insurance and the 11% junk bond versus the 6% AA rated bond, why isn't the insurance 5% to get you right back to the same spot? Why wouldn't it be priced that way? Well, you would think it would. Yeah. You. If, so I, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you about that, other than um, you know everything's out of anything that uh, out of any kind of equilibrium. Period, um, and, and it is. You know, my let's let's 
dig a little bit into the sort of the the whole macro situation um, when you have people like um, uh, the, the, here's one from CNBC um, the emergency rescue of Credit Suisse by UBS in the wake of the U, uh, collapse of U.S.-based Silicon Valley Bank triggered contagion among uh, uh, contagion concern among investors, which was deepened by further monetary policy tightening from the U.S. Federal Reserve on Wednesday. I'm sorry, what's this monetary po uh, policy tightening? There's, as, as you've noted, two-thirds of the quantitative tightening done in the last year has been reversed in the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what... And, and so, so what's that? And then at the same time, we're raising rates as if we're trying to tighten. What in the, you know, what in the Sam Hill is going on here? It is, it is, I, I think when they talk about, you know, it's 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 weird, Kevin, a, uh, the, uh, is a I told you about my hour-long conversation with one of my, my lawyer buddies in the uh, Tripoli Tap, and we were talking about the things I say in the air and how careful I need to be because he says people actually think you're an honest guy and they listen to you and they believe you. And I said, you know, I really hope that's true, and I always try and be as truthful as I can. But the guy's name is uh, uh, Luke. And I said, Luke, you know, at some point, though, perception becomes almost as important as the truth. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, Luke, you know, t we were just having to be talking about uh, police in the city, and I said, well, take the police stuff. I said, we know, I think we know, that 95% of all the policemen are good guys and, try and, do, and ladies and try and do their job the best they can. I said, we also know that there's 5% of the people that everybody knows shouldn't be there. So if those 5% of the people get to the front and, and act like everybody's acting that way, the perception is not that everybody's bad, but that they don't seem to have the ability to police themselves, which is almost the same thing. And he said, well, if you look at it that way, you might be right. I said, yeah, it becomes the perception. I mean, I think all these banks have trouble with some of these bonds, Kevin, and we should know that, especially in Europe, since they were buying stuff at negative interest rate for guys. It's got to be way worse than here. So anything with Silicon Valley, the other side of the world damn near, than Deutsche Bank, anybody that causes anybody to really focus on any of these banks and, and what exactly is on their loan portfolio and what's on their balance sheet, and if they see capital that looks like uh, a, a, zero, a, a negative interest rate bond, well, it wouldn't be now because it's priced differently, from, say, Italy or Greece or someplace, they're going to say, what the hell? I mean, you're, you're using that as, as good capital and you're pricing it here? What's the matter with you? So anybody that causes anybody to focus at this point and really look hard at this, I guess you could blame Silicon Valley Bank for that because they're, they... they and, and, and maybe you're not all that wrong, except you and I know there's no connection between the two, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think we're just in this crazy world where where nothing is quite right. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to go fish out a, an article from about two years ago that I thought was really good. And the title of the article was, Everything is Broken. Yeah. And and I, I think that's where we are now, is that, you know, nothing is working the way it's supposed to work. And it's not it's not because... This, this, the structure, the structure of of the economy itself, and and the theory behind the economy is wrong. It's because we have had so much meddling, so much tampering. I talked about this, I think, on Wednesday. The idea in, in quality management, um, 
which again I'm, I'm happen to be teaching a section of this for a, a local company so uh, I'm, I'm very uh, attuned uh, to it and that is that there's this concept of tampering where every time you see something and you go and react and all you do is you exacerbate the swings that you have so you know things in you know you know this in the economy that when you know when you are taking action to counter a, a current trend that the uh, the forces are already in place and happening that are going to counter that trend so all you're going to do is make it worse and i you know i think that's a big part of where we are is we always think somebody's got to you know everything has to be fixed and in some cases people think everything has to, is has to be fixed by government um in other cases there are other institutions i'm sure that they they think they have to fix everything and you know sometimes we just don't need to fix every damn thing well um and and I, i'm not an advocate of of no regulation i'm not an advocate of leaving everything alone you have to have rules that you know and and lines you don't cross but this idea that we can always engineer uh, uh, situations such that it will never ever happen again is just folly, and all we do is make things worse with that mindset. Well, I, I can certainly tell you. Well, maybe my brother more than me because he does more of this for the firm. The regulation part of of uh, our industry, especially when it deals with small firms, is so way over the top. It's scary. Now, we all know that at some point there, there needs to be, since we have FDIC insurance, that there need to be some loan standards and some capital standards because the FDIC doesn't want to pay out. They want the bank to be solvent, okay? We get that part. So we, we essentially pay people to go uh, you know, review the loan portfolios every once in a while. And if all of a sudden the capital is not good enough, you say your bank is getting shut down. By the way, we're going to roll this stuff into another bank so nobody gets hurt and the loans are still good and the, and the deposits are still good. But you can't get to the point, Kevin, where every single loan officer has some bleep from the government sitting next to them monitoring every loan. That's, that's what Dodd-Frank gave us, where every, every, every mortgage, no, this is what you can't do. Oh, no, you can't. If you're $100 off, you can't put $100 on the table and say now, that, now it's a deal because you have to wire the money because we have to be able to track it. When even though the two people say, just give me the 100 bucks. I mean, we don't need rules like that. You know, I mean, as, what is Shakespeare fam- famously, was it, what, or was it uh, Plato famously said, who, who will watch the watchers? There, there, there's, a, there's a line here where, where some sort of a, uh, when I say regulation for banks, it's not just regulation, it's you're paying for this insurance, so you're, you are paying for somebody to keep an eye on your bank because that you're doing it, you're paying them. It's, like you, it's almost like UL Labs. When I was a kid and you were a kid, if you brought home an extension cord that didn't say UL Lab approved, you took it back, right? Well, there was, there was somebody making sure that the, that, the, uh, that the extension cord was good. It didn't have to be government. It could be somebody else. And FDIC could be an independent company. It doesn't have to be government, does it? Yeah, but and and I, I think that's part of it um, because we go back to government's inefficient and there's a lot of corruption. But aside from that, um, the I you know some things we just have to leave it alone. Go through an airport. You went. You go through security. One guy. Um, oh, I don't know when. About two thousand and probably three. Tried to rig his shoe to be a bomb and to explode, and it was a spectacular failure. And it was never tried before and never tried since. And yet, 
we're all taking our shoes off at the airport. Yeah, yeah. And 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 putting them through the inspection line. Um, even though we go through, we we have to go through our own, you know, uh, uh, personal scanner to, you know, with with our own bodies. Then it could get caught in there. But we're all doing it now. How unproductive of that? How much time is consumed? in people's you know in in travelers especially if you're a regular travel how much does that back up the line and make it inefficient to get through uh, airport security well just that one thing because one time something happened and we must make sure it will never ever ever happen again well the people uh how many t what are those guys t uh whatever tsa how many tsa agents are there's like thirty thousand or twenty five thousand aren't there yeah, got to keep them busy. But you know, what's interesting, Kevin, about the banking system is if you... My, my stepfather was, uh, he and... Uh, you remember Jim Marbito, his dad, Fred, my, my dad and his dad, essentially ran the credit union in St. John Fisher. And because uh, they're both accountants, they're both they're good good guys. I mean, my stepfather did a nice job. For they, and there was a guy, Barney, who had nothing else to do. So they paid Barney, like, you know, God knows what, a couple bucks an hour to actually sit there in the credit union office Somebody walked in and, and gave him money, give him cash, whatever he wanted. And there was a big book of everybody's, you know, every month Barney goes through, and, and if you're making 3%, he'd actually do the, the interest calculation and put it in your in your passbook. So when you came in the next time, you know, he'd, he'd goose the index. So he was telling me one night, I walk in, and I, I, I don't know, I have like 10 bucks, so I put it in there. And I said to Barney, how's it going? And he goes, well, it's going pretty good. And I go, what do you mean pretty good? And he goes, well, we're, we're kind of short on loans. <laughs> And me being a dummy, you know, I was, I was you know, 12 years old or something. I said, what do you need loans for? He goes, where do you think you're getting your interest from? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it was such a simple concept. I listen to people on TV. I li- I've listened to people that we've elected in office. They don't get the concept. The, the reason why you, well, of course, the banks don't pay now, which is even more bizarre, but they're starting to pay on CDs and so forth, at least the smaller banks. But banks use the reason why they can pay is because people pay them more on the loans, right? <laughs> Does anybody not even? There's people don't even understand this, Kevin. How do you not? Oh, I think there's people that think that's a, a horrible thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know that oh, these these pirates are lending people money and charging them interest. Well, then again, if if you haven't gotten any yep. interest in ten so years, are some of them uh, unethically charging high uh, interest rates because they can uh, unduly high interest rates on credit cards because they can. Yeah, they are. Okay, so we can have that conversation separately. But the idea that they're making loans and that somehow this is a bad thing, it's a good thing. <laughs> right, hey, Kevin, we got only a. Seven eight minutes since you're the only man that can do this, and I'm not asking you to be absolutely current on the numbers. But what what does what does these kinds of victories uh, do for the teams that win in the NCAA? How's the money? I mean, this this uh, this coastal Florida, this is going to be a big boon for that for that conference for like a really long time. Yeah, what are they in their conference USA? Uh, Florida Atlantic. They're, they're, I'm they're, not sure. they're I think they're conference USA. So it's not like Conference USA has never won a uh, um, a basketball game before. They certainly have uh, in in the uh, in the tournament. But um, yeah, the way it works is every time you play a game, uh, there there is a payout for it. Of uh, I don't know. What, I think last time we went through it was this, like two hundred grand or something in excess of two hundred thousand. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I don't know if it's moved up a lot uh, at, at this point or what. But it's a it's a six year recurring payout. And and so that's the big thing. It's it, it, it's more 
um, it, it's, it's probably more a factor with a team like Fairleigh Dickinson winning a game. Who they, you know, they go in, they play their one game, they get paid. Getting a second game just doubles the NCAA tournament revenue to that conference. Um, and, for six uh, years. And, and for six years, yeah. And so, uh, so that's and when you when you're, you know, when your budget is all built around uh, schools of that. At, at that level, at that level of conference, their budget is really wired into going and getting the crap beat out of them early in the season by major conference teams um, in, in buy games, and they get paid to show up. Um, what, so, is, what is that uh, going up so, to, Kevin? So that, that gives them a, a substantial amount of uh, extra money uh, to to be able to uh, sink into their program. Well, the NCAA or somebody, when like Michigan used to give. Uh, you know, you have 100,000 people in the place. They used to give Allegheny State, whoever they lost to the one year, like 150 or 200 grand. Didn't the, didn't the NCAA set some kind of a minimum that you had to give people to show up or something like I'm, that? I'm not aware of a minimum, but they, the, the bidding is definitely higher now to get people to show up for buy games. So what, and, do you have any idea what that and, is in and, basketball? And it varies, again, it varies by sport. I, you know, it's not unusual for someone to get a million dollars or more uh, to show up for a, a football game at a major conference site. Um, you know, Notre Dame is hosting uh, like Tennessee State. Uh, I think coming uh, coming in, it's their, it's actually their their first foray into one double A <laughs> into playing somebody at that level. Um, but it's a historically black uh, college, and uh, and and actually, um, you know, I, I was talking about if they really wanted to make a, a do something for that school that they would actually play at their place but I've, oh, uh, right. I, I I had somebody who's uh, you know with one of the community organizations here saying oh no no this is a really big deal everybody's everybody's really pointing to uh, towards it here this is going to be opportunities for kids local kids in the uh, Michiana area who never go over to the Notre Dame campus never you know do know anything about it they're they're all arranging all kinds of uh, activities around that. Well, that'd be nice. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's it's a good thing, and I think, uh, you know, that that's okay. But they'll probably get paid plenty of money for this. Uh, you know, uh, one million, more than a million, I don't, you know, I don't know what it is, but it's going to be a huge injection into their, well, uh, you're not gonna uh, give into their program's budget. Well, basketball, you don't have that kind of money to throw around, but didn't the, uh, isn't that the way you used to pay the AAU guy off? You have the AAU game early in the year? Well, that that was, and so they uh, uh, they they fixed that by um, by saying that instead you can play uh, one exhibition game uh, against a Division two or Division three team. So the way it used to work, yeah, is there were these club teams, yeah, and it was the uh, it was run by the same people who would run AAU programs in the summer. So the way you would pay off a a guy who steered a recruit to you was to give his club team. A game with a you know with a payout uh, as an exhibition game before the you know like first game of the season, so um, the NCAA uh, decided that that was a pretty flagrant violation of their rules, and uh, and so instead what they did was they arranged for uh, teams to be able to play their exhibition games against Division Well, what is it? Division what does it do? Level teams. I mean, you know, teams have allegedly so much money these days, but what does it do for the? The Pac-10 to essentially be spanked out this early. I mean, uh, Arizona lost, or, the, or the Big Ten. The Big Ten's done as of last night. Their their last well, so team is standing the, lost. Isn't this ACC is too right? I think it's uh, Miami's still alive. That's right. 
I don't know who else is, but yeah, Miami has an interesting distinction. Um, they uh, they knocked out the Indiana men, and uh, Miami's women knocked out the Indiana women. Well, there you go. Uh, but but so but I mean those there's going to be a hole in their uh, I'm sure their predicted budget for the next six years that the Pac-10 is out so early and so is the Big Ten and so forth, right? <clears throat> I mean I'm sure they. They plan for more than this. Now, how much? How, how many? In other words, they they played. I'm going to say the Pac-10 played five games. They probably predicted eight to nine, maybe more. Yeah, it it'll be a, a short-term hurt. The question is, is it? Um, uh, well, it's a six-year hurt. Just a little. Remember, they have they, they have the last five years coming in too. So, um, so they, you know they they're not they're not it's it, it's that's going to smooth out the hit. Right. Um, but what you don't want to do is you don't want to do this three years in a row. But in twenty twenty nine, they're going to go, hey, what, what's with this lousy check from twenty twenty three? And this is why, right? Yeah, they'll find some other way to make the money. Oh, back. I'm sure they will, Kevin. Uh, all right, now who's your prediction? Are we? Uh, as much as I hate to say it, it looks to me like it's going to be here, uh, Alabama, and are they going to arrest the guy while he's while he's holding the f- trophy up or what? Oh yeah, they could perp walk him out of there with the trophy in hand. That would that would be so special. S and P futures. Oh, uh, babe, be sure be sure with Carl that you get a, a little bit into the uh, um, the uh, COVID treatment trials. He he sent some stuff out to us uh, this week, and um, I, I I think it needs some airtime. What? Uh, how how well known is it that some states, Illinois being one of them, sent out stuff to their doctors or the or the uh, I don't know if they did or the uh, what's the doctors union uh, the AMA. Uh, I, they sent out stuff to their people. If you if you say something in public against the COVID treatment, we're pulling your license. Yeah, uh, there. Oh, that that was going on all throughout it. Yeah, or or even if you attempted um, certain COVID treatments, and if you prescribed some treatments, we had pharmacies turning them down, saying we won't fill that, even though it had a doctor's prescription to it. So yeah, there there was a lot going on there, and you're not getting much media coverage of this uh, widespread, and and I'm sure the reason for that is they were complicit in this. Whether they were knowingly or duped into it, uh, you know, playing the uh, useful idiot doesn't matter. They were you know they they any new reporting any reporting of any of this stuff is going to require them to go back and say we were terribly wrong for a really really long time what about last so week at, at the most benign they were just wrong at the you know at the uh, um the you move the meter not too far to find out that they were part of the uh, uh part of the problem that they were they I would were ag- willing willing participants i would agree do you do you believe the amount of gas that was taken out of the media Last weekend, regarding Trump's pending arrest, and it didn't happen. And it hasn't happened. Oh my goodness! Yeah. What will we do next? S&P futures down 34, and Nasdaq's down 73. Be right, right back, Mr. Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for 
stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456, that's 708-349-3456, or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. There's something happening here. But what it is ain't exactly clear. Well, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 38 now. NASDAQ futures down 80, 80, 88. Still, the NASDAQ is not is performing way better than uh, all the rest of the indices. Uh, it's kind of kind of one of those things. We have uh, Mr. Carl. You do. How are you, buddy? Well, you know, uh, gee, how come you didn't mention the Russells down a uh, percent and a half? Um, we have positions in uh, big, well, pretty big. We're not you know not huge, but we got positions for a lot of clients in all three of those indices. And some people are across the board. Some people had a, an idea they wanted to be in the S&P or the Russell or whatever. Yeah. Carl, I've never seen such a divergence. Because for those that don't know, we do a protected program. We buy puts against and We sell calls to try and pay for the puts, which the last few years, let's just say we've had, we had to have been uh, light on our feet. Is, is that a nice way to put it? Right now we have uh, our Russell calls are probably $8 out of the money. And we're trying to get them down, so they're still, you know, worth something to sell. Our S and P's are like right at the money, and our in our uh, QQQs are twenty five dollars or eighteen dollars in the money. That's the difference in how these three indices have performed in the last two weeks. It's it's almost. I, mean, I, I've, I guess I've seen something like it somewhere in my career, but it's really off the chart. One goes well, up. The, well, the Russell. I mean, you know, if you if you take a look at the the low in two thousand nine, 
the Russell traded 342. Um, so <laughs> the uh, the relatively recent higher was almost 2500. Yeah, well, you're, you're talking about so, the, so maybe yeah. I'm talking. Well, I'm talking about the index itself. Yeah, okay. I'm talking about, we trade with IUM, obviously IWM. We're trade. We're talking. Yeah, about, well, yeah, I do, yeah right. I'm just looking at RT. Yeah. Okay, which is you know this that's that's the index. Um, you know, and then there's you know the ETFs on it, and or if you want trade RTY, you know, trade the futures, or whatever. But the <laughs> the thing that I find fascinating about this is that the uh, during the depths of the the COVID uh, blow up in early 2020 uh the russell traded under a thousand okay and then and then went on to trade uh, almost 2500 so you know small caps are usually more volatile than you know than the large indices i mean that's you know that's pretty normal but the idea that that somehow uh, this uh you know this acceleration that we had with all of the crazy money printing uh, wasn't going to show up in, in uneconomic small companies, many of which end up being zeros, uh, because in point of fact they're cash furnaces and not actual operating companies. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, of course it is. And, and, and you know, I, I put up a column this morning that I suspect is going to get a lot of uh, a lot of pushback on macroeconomic factors that we should consider, changes that we should consider making to the way that we compute things, uh, specifically GDP. And it would stop a lot of this nonsense that we have, we've had this, this awesome economy for the last you know, couple of years or whatever have you. It would particularly stop the insanity that we have with social media organizations uh, being counted as GDP contributors, uh, companies like Match.com that own essentially every dating site on the planet um, that have amassed themselves a nice little structural monopoly and nobody's done anything about that. Uh, it It would prohibit counting as GDP all of the COVID treatments that hospitals gave you if you died. There's a rumor out there that you are now frequenting the Farm Girls site of theirs. Oh, really? Yeah. Think of every conceivable site on earth. Tall people, short people, farm people. Oh, yeah, no, they got, you know, well, and you got seniors, you know, I'm I'm, I'm close enough, right? According to T-Mobile, I qualify as a geezer because I'm over 55. Could you get, is there a, is it, how, how finely do they cut it? Can it be like, Girls that own bass boats or something like that. Can you get that? Oh God, would I be surprised if if there was? No, not at all. I mean, it's you know the the thing that really gets uh, gets you is that when you when you look at the destruction that has happened in social interaction between men and women with this stuff, uh, that company has driven a large percentage of it, and there is there is no alternative you can't get anything else set up or funded and anybody that tries immediately gets swallowed by those guys they come in and buy them up and you know that's the end of it they used to when the, when all of that started when the whole computer dating thing you know began uh was back when you know when the internet was fairly young it was shortly it started to show up shortly after i got out of the business because when I was first involved was the the first you know parts of the web, if you will and and the idea of sending pictures around was done on Usenet, which was extremely inefficient, and on top of that, most of it was ripped off scans out of girly magazines 
Yep. So I mean, there was no, yo, know, the legitimacy of any of it was was in much doubt, shall we say? Uh, but then, of course, storage got cheaper, and and a lot of what has driven much of this so-called innovation is is that disk storage got so much cheaper over time, and this is also what drove the surveillance state and the the marketing engine that is to that is out there today, where every single thing you do online is tracked and and used to disadvantage you. It's used to screw you. Oh, yeah. Okay, and, and we and, and we should be very honest with people about this. All of this online tracking that goes on, uh, it, it is. If you think that doesn't end up in the scores used to price your car insurance, for example, you're wrong. It does. Well, and I- and, and and by the way, um, none of this is disclosed. Well, a lot of it is a change in, in, in mentality for, for people, Carl. And, I, you know, when I came off the training floor, when we started PTI, you know, 10 years before I came off the training floor, uh, and, and after, after a while, the training floor got to be like no training floor, and, oh, by the way, we're getting a lot more clients up here, so I'm, I made the move upstairs, and we started doing some managed money for people on top of it. Right. Uh, and, uh, but the, I, I would have done things, for me, I, I saw... Uh, a future for myself. I like my clients. I like the people I work with. And there were people that were had some talent that were piling off the trading floor that I thought, you know, maybe there could be a home for them, you know, because I'm, I'm that, sort of that kind of guy. Uh, I would have done it a lot differently. And a lot of people right now, I mean, you, 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 you made the, I won't say accusation, but you made the comment that people start up uh, a competitor to match or a competitor to be, be any kind of a drug is the same way or a competitor to anybody, and they get swallowed up. I'm going to submit to you that in today's mentality, that's exactly what they want to have happen. I'm going to start up, and it's not going to happen in my business, but I'm going to start a, a competitor to Match.com. I'm going to bust my fanny for two years. I'm going to be a pain in the ass to Match.com or a perceived one, and somebody's going to come with a $5 million bid, and they'll never see me in, a, in, a, in an office the rest of my life. I'm going to join two country clubs, see you. That... that, that the mentality. I, I think people are real happy with that. Look, look at all the businesses in Chicago that the the, the old man croaked, or, and uh, somebody made a bid for the place. And the kids can't wait to sell it. They don't want to. Oh, work. I'm, oh no, I agree with you entirely, Chief. I'm not. Uh, look, I <laughs> remember I set up an internet company and ran it during the time when that was the deal. Right? Yeah. Was that you? You went, you did this, and, and then you either took it public or you sold it to some, you know, somebody else, or got rolled up and whatever. And uh, in fact, I have one one friend of mine who is was was a competitor, uh, one of the few that I thought was actually running an ethical and in real business, okay, to try to make money instead of playing some kind of a game, you know, the selling selling uh, things that you shouldn't have on the internet to people who wanted to buy it. Uh, that wasn't what he was in business to do. Uh, he stayed in. He managed to make it work through the crash in 2000, and now he has a whole lot more money than I do uh, as a result of that. Of course, he had to take the risk of being a zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and I, I had some life events going on, uh, including a divorce that made clear with, with a, at the time, an infant, uh, made clear that there was no way that I could run a public company and raise a child. And so that I sold, tough, but, yeah. it, but I well, but I didn't sell. I didn't sell because I had to sell. I sold because the personal events in my life made clear that I could not do both jobs. And the first job was my kid. And so 
you know, I, I could do a bad job at both. Um, I could do a terrible job at one and a good one at the other, uh, or I could make sure that I didn't have to worry about doing a good job. You could always and, have one and get another wife. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to do that. Oh, One's, one was enough. Oh, um, well, you know, that that was, yeah, maybe not. Um, but but anyway, what I, the the, the comment I put up this morning was basically, you know, this. Let's let's say that I I like to reduce economic principles to the simplest. Okay, so banking is very simple if you reduce it to this one bank, right? So you go borrow money to buy a car, the dealer deposits your check in the same bank because there isn't another one, uh, and he has to have somewhere to keep that cash because he doesn't want to get robbed five minutes after you drive off the lot with a car. <laughs> Well, plus right. he'd like to be earning a little something on it. Well, yeah, but but I mean, even just from a depository standpoint, he needs somewhere to do business. Right. And, and so, uh, you know, it, fine. It, and you can analyze banking that way. And then you say, okay, what systems have to be in place to make this work when there's 500 banks uh, to balance everybody's books? And this is, you know, this is all a good thing. Well, GDP, all right, so you and I are standing around. We both like to have some adult fun with a member of the opposite sex, but there isn't one available. And so I decide that uh, I will pay you $100 for two Bill Clintons. Yep. And I, you perform two Bill Clintons. I give you $100. But, uh, but you didn't get anything out of that. Okay, I did. But you didn't get anything out of that. You're not satisfied. And so I say, well, you know, I'll, I'll let you do one Pete butt gig on me um, for $100. And you do so. And, and you give me back my 100 bucks. Okay. That counts as $200 of GDP as services. Well, not if you just passed the 100 right back and never put it uh, Now, wait a minute. Yeah. No. The way the, the, way the BEA reports this, that's $200 of GDP. Um, if she deposited it and then you deposited it. But no, no, just, it, it makes absolutely no. But I mean, you didn't report it, neither did she, so it's not going Well, uh, okay, leave the taxation side yeah. and the fact that this is all underground stuff out of that, okay, because, you know, obviously. But the point being, neither of us is has physically changed our economic position by one penny. Right. Okay? The 100 bucks is exactly where it started, and neither of us has been personally advantaged. We may both feel better, but neither, neither of us has gained anything tangible at all, um, except maybe a disease if one of us had one. Well, but, so, but, you, but, you, but you mentioned, go back to what you mentioned by, by being a father or being, well, right. it used to be, you know, the father went to work and the mother stayed home. Uh, but now that could be, you know, and even then there were, there were, there were women that, that then back in years ago. Oh yeah. But, um, but the point being is the, the value of the effort all day long that the person staying home, traditionally the wife, the cooking, the cleaning, the ironing, the, the, the policeman's shirt, none of that was, was valued yet. Obviously it is, it had value it had to value. someone, yes. So because sure. the minute she or he goes to work and you hire another person to do that, now all of a sudden it's counted. Now it's in GDP. Yes, right. now it's in GDP. But, but what my, my point is simply this, okay? If we had to count the 
non-productive expenditure. All right, so you look at something like a Facebook or a Match um, or Bumble or, or whatever, and you look at that, and and the only GDP that counts is when somebody finds the satisfaction that they are seeking by by expending the funds. So, matches all the servers that they buy and everything, and the, the internet connectivity and everything else, only counts into GDP if I find a girl, a long-term girlfriend. Well, I mean, it, if if I waste, if I spend twenty-five dollars a month for six months and find nothing, that well, you're paying, you're still times, paying for the service. The service, uh, the service you, is the search. I I understand this, okay, Chief, but here's the point. Just like the example with you and I standing around deciding that we'd like some adult entertainment, the the reality of it is is that neither of us has actually benefited at all, and what has occurred in the case where funds were expended with the with match or whatever have you, is actually extraction. All right. So what what I propose is that we take GDP, and we have a subtractor. For services now, with goods, there is always something that comes out the other end. If I grow a bushel of corn, you're, there is a bushel. There's a bushel of corn. You're obviously as much into economic theory as I am. Maybe more. You're you're, you're talking about some stuff that would be fun, sort of fundamental changes. Uh, which oh oh absolutely absolutely. But you know what? Here's the thing. If we looked at the if we looked at the U.S. economy through that lens, and we went back you know 20 30 years when we were offshoring everything outside the United States in terms of physical production and, and everything was all services and then we add that parasitic factor all right so for example the the US government we count as government expenditures every penny of military expense right so the 700 billion dollars that we spend a year uh, goes into the G line in the GDP calculation if all of it that we used to bomb Syria, like we did this morning, because we got upset about something that they allegedly did with a drone, um, okay, all that money doesn't count. It's parasitic. It, it benefited well, no. I, I think you're. I, I, don't, I don't know how you how you counter or don't. I, I have a much, I'm going to say, more current and maybe easier problem with the last few years is when you you pour the money into the system. And you, and you uh, discount the inflation you've caused. It looks like you're gaining when you're not. But I, mean, I think that's well, simple. well, yeah. But well, I mean, but what you're saying, I mean, uh, bear with me a minute, and listeners. I'm going to dig into some economic theory here. With when you look at at the wealth of a country, there there are people who will say, and and by the way, I happen to agree with them, that the wealth of the country is is contained in your your bridges, your roads, your houses, your lawnmowers. Everything, your baseball bats, you know, it's it's in all the the physical things that you have. It, it also could be your your drugs, so people can live better. Uh, some research, some but only fear, if they do. But okay, but I'm I'm saying, you, and then there's the service side, which traditionally has been counted here as sort of the same thing. And now, if you if you start putting, I mean, I I don't know if I get a haircut every four weeks, I need a barber. I'm willing to pay him. I have the money. Maybe I, I made a railroad car, and I made the money for that, and I did it. Now, somebody else goes every eight weeks. I guess you can say that I could have made it eight weeks, and we shouldn't count the other as GDP. But I don't know how you – I mean, you, you, look at, at, you look at two lawyers in a divorce case. 
and then a couple pisses away, f- f- well, pays the two lawyers 40% before they decide to talk and then settle on the rest, I guess the money you've given to the lawyers is, is in, it's income to them, so the way we count it now, it's part of GDP. You and I could say, God, what a waste of dough. <laughs> you know, it didn't do anything well, for anybody. Well, that's a, yeah. yeah, that's exactly the point, though, Chief, is that we have so much that goes on in the economy today that we count as GDP. We consider it to be growth. Okay. Um, no, it's not. I would say that... And, 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 yeah. and, and, and I'll, you know, we could, we could take this, all of this cash that was put out there and all these incentives. You look at the incentives that we put into the system over the last three years. I, you know, uh, I was listening this morning over the first hour and, you know, it was brought up the, the whole, you know, the whole COVID thing. Okay. Um, okay. So who remembers back in early 2020, Henry Ford Hospital, arguably the, they are the go-to medical group for the entire southeast part of Michigan. Right, centered around the Detroit area. They've been around forever. Uh, six huge hospitals, including the, the their biggest one downtown. My mother uh, passed in one of them, sort of involuntarily. She intended to die at home, and things happened, and she ended up there. But she was incoherent at the time. So I mean, I, and and but they provided care to her and to my parents. Uh, for you know, for a long time, okay. I mean, they, they, that was part of the medical group that did this. They came out with a study that they ran across their six hospitals on a very controversial thing that was going on in the early part of COVID. They found a better than fifty percent reduction in death rates. Now, that's not a small number. No, that's huge. It's a monster. Okay instantly attacked by Anthony Fauci shortly after that put out a statement that said that they would have no further comment and no further involvement in anything related to this this is a Ford group said that yeah Henry Ford Hospital yeah I their press release on the results of this study is no longer on their webpage you can find it in PMC because the, the guys that actually publish studies don't take things down, but it was scrubbed not only from their webpage but also from the Internet Wayback Machine which normally indexes everything out there uh, was deliberately removed and nobody had a conversation about it po- post that point. Now here's the other interesting thing that goes along with this this supposed drug that was the terriblest thing in the world that Donald Trump liked so much um and by the way, was the active agent that presented pre, that uh, caused this fifty percent reduction in mortality uh, was used inappropriately by the people who were promoting it at the time, in that it wasn't being used by Henry Ford until you got sick enough to have to go to the hospital. And the whole point that everyone was raising at the time was you had to treat early; you could not wait until somebody was choking to death. Oh, yeah, no kidding. I mean, it, well, well, no kidding. We do that with every other disease in the world except this one, right? Well, you know, you're when you. Uh... I don't know if you remember, but I used to track. I think one of the listeners used to send it to me, and then maybe I found out where it was. But I, I will never. Let's put it this way: you and me on internet, you're you're a ten, and I'm a minus two or something. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit on it, but it, it was never my life like yours. But I used to. These guys used to track from the beginning of COVID. I don't know how they found people early on that got it like right out of the gate, and they were tracking the uh, antibodies in those people. <laughs> 
Right. And and to be perfectly honest, nobody knew how long uh, the antibodies of a person who caught it and survived, like me, uh, were going to last. I mean, I mean, well, of course. So you can't tell until the time passes. Yeah. Told, so, but the, this this study in Britain was keeping track. And they kept saying, okay, we're six months into it, and everybody's still good. You know, eight months into it, everybody's still good. All of a sudden, I never, I never heard boo. Because now everybody's saying, oh, no, you need, you need to get the shots on top of Chief, the antibody. Chief, Chief, I've never had the shot. And about two weeks ago, um, I happened to have a couple antibody tests still. I had a bunch of them. Did you, did you go to a railroad yard and like break into the car or what? Or shouldn't I ask? Uh, no, I I had a friend that worked at a biosciences lab that could get things that were for experimental use early on, and then uh, about a year and a half ago, you were you and you still can you can buy them, although uh, you have to get them from overseas because nobody sells them over yeah, the but counter. When I, when I got my test, they had to take blood and send it someplace. We had to take your own. Oh blood no no no! This is a finger stick, just oh, really? like a, a glucose thing. You have a drop a blood, a drop of dilutant. It, it's the it's the same technology. Well, how come with for, me they had to take like a pint just for speak because in the United States we do not want this stuff to be readily available to ordinary bog standard humans like you and I. You need to go see a doctor, and somebody needs to order it. And by God, there needs to be a bunch of money paid uh, when these tests cost a dollar to make. Yeah. Okay, because they're just like pregnancy tests, which, by the way, you can buy in any Walmart in the country, right? And it's the same technology. Well, guess what? Uh, I just ran one of those. I had COVID exactly once the first week of August in 2021. It's now been a year and a half. I ran one of these things, and I still ring positive for IgG antibodies. Yeah, and I think okay. pe- the people that I knew that I, I you know, but you know what I was told. But chief, I was told that wasn't going to be true. I uh, I know some people. One of them might be one of my executive producers. Uh, that he and his wife caught the COVID early, and uh, she was pretty sick for a week. He barely was, and. Uh, and they they immediately like two or three weeks later got one of the shots and I said you did what? Yeah. Said, what do you mean they were available? I said you got you got your own antibodies. You got to you let your own antibodies. Yeah. Why would why would you uh, well possibly screw it up? You'd possibly okay. screw it up. I mean I, I didn't know enough to say that, but I said well, you but got you, your but own. But you don't know. Yeah, you don't know. So and and, and, and here is the point. Okay, a all drugs. I don't care. I don't care if it's aspirin. All drugs have risks. Yeah. All drugs. Every time, okay, the the entire point of taking any pharmaceutical, of doing anything to deliberately alter your body chemistry, no matter what it is, is that there has to be some reward. There has to be some some prospective benefit. Two weeks after you just are you crazy? There is yeah. no prospective benefit. Okay, no, there's none whatsoever. Right. So I mean, you know, we can argue later on. Well, they both they both got it again. Point, no. they, they both got it again. Not that long thereafter. So, well, so. that's that's not a surprise because we later learned that there's this thing called class shifting, which probably is the reason they got it again. Well, I think you're, you're own. I mean, you you would never give somebody who actually, if you if you went somewhere and got measles, you'd never take a measles shot. You'd never take a measles shot. That's right. And you know what? I had chicken pox, and if somebody tried to get me to take the varicella shot, I would tell them to go stick it because I've varic- already had it. What's varicella the- is the virus that causes chicken pox. But you, would, you, but you, you might take the, uh, what's the other one? The- well, I, uh, the, the shingles thing is an yeah. open question. Yeah. Because there's, the, you know, it's funny. There's the one that's sold today, the original was taken off the market. 
Isn't that interesting? Well, I know shingles can be pretty bad, but it fix your eyes. Or well, something. It, well, it can. Yeah, it can be really bad. But you know, the the original was taken off the market. Nobody was held accountable for that failure. I I guess my point with the with the whole change how we think about GDP thing is that if if you get cancer and and you spend five hundred thousand dollars on cancer treatment and you die, we count that. Okay. Yeah. Um, we shouldn't. If you spend five hundred thousand dollars and you die, uh, that should not count. But it, because it, it, but it, it, it transferred from one. We're we're at the stage where I I, I get yeah. that, Chief. But if but you didn't get a benefit from it. No, okay? I, I, I I'd, be, I'd be willing to. <laughs> I'd be willing. I know in our lifetime, you and I aren't going to get that kind of momentous shift. I would settle for. Let's let's count the money we poured in a little better. <laughs> I'd settle for that and figure I made a big move in my lifetime. I, yeah, I'm just I'm just saying that we, if we were to take all of this nonsense that goes on that provides no benefit to people, we take it out and retroactively go back and compute what you know what has been America's GDP over the last 20 years. Well, if we've got nothing you, to show for it, although, oh, good I, God, I think yeah. you would find that we've we have had a contracting economy for the last 20. Years. But I would say I would say this, uh, Carol. Uh, we got to go to break here. And when we come back, I want you to explain to me how the Fed is saying one thing and doing another. Uh, I would say this. Uh, the idea that an awful lot of people, um, your age, my age, are seemingly in an awful lot better health than people were when I was a kid and people were your age, my age. Maybe it was lack of smoking. Maybe it was different other stuff they worked, drugs they drug, I mean, uh, compounds they worked with or whatever. Whatever it is. The average 75-year-old now looks way better than the average 75-year-old did 30 years ago. I mean, much more. I mean, whatever we're doing, we're doing something. There's there's some progress someplace, I think. Uh, it, I, I think in some cases you're right. I think in others, though, you're wrong. Well, there's a selection bias there that's a problem. Yeah, that, well, that's pro- I mean, I, I'm not, not going to splatter that over everybody, but I'm saying somewhere, I think, the generally... I mean, maybe just because everybody smoked or something. I don't know, but uh, that's that's a lot of it, yeah. and it's uh, yeah. I mean that that and and by the way, that that is uh, mostly a a post war thing too, yeah. which oh, is yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, SP futures down thirty five, Nasdaq futures on seventy. We're going to dig more into that when we come back. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. 
It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hello, my bank stocks and jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP futures down 37. NASDAQ futures down 77. This headline here we're going to have to dig into with uh, our man Carl. British regulators soften stance on Microsoft Activision deal competition concerns. Gee, I wonder if his pockets are more stuffed than. Well, oh, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Dow futures down 338. Strike, strike that. Strike that if I was in court. Strike that. The jury didn't hear it. Um, Nikkei down 34.1%. Hang Seng down 133.7%, Shanghai down 21.6%. As a way of review yesterday, we were up across the board. Dow up 75, S&P down up 11, NASDAQ was up 117. That's a full 1%. We did leak uh, near to close. It looked like we might actually close down, but we didn't. But we were up way more than that. S&P was up 65 points at one point, and it closed up like 12. So it was a big comeback, but still was up. Uh, we have bands. Uh, US, US down 830 eight seconds. Uh, 3.31. Uh, we've got the the Bund down 12, 2.06. Japan up eight basis points, 0.38. The reason for a lot of this is Deutsche Bank is now being looked at, and as their credit default swaps on, and Deutsche Bank went from 142 to 173 overnight. Uh, so the DAX is down 364, 2.4%. FTSE down 132, 1.8. around down heavy as well, down 163, 2.3. We've got oil, whack whack on the oil, down three and a half points or percent. It was down four earlier. Down two forty-six to sixty-seven fifty. Brent down two forty-five, seventy-three forty-six. Natural gas up six uh, two twenty-one. We've got gold creeping. Whoa, whoa, nineteen ninety-nine ten. So it's creeping very slowly this two thousand. We'll see if it makes that's up three twenty. Silver up thirty cents, twenty-three fifty-six. We've got Bitcoin down 199 bucks, 27,985, still pretty high. And we've got the US dollar. Is, uh, is is up pretty strong. We got the uh, the uh, pound is down to 107, and the euro is down to both 0.8 percent move in the euro and 0.6 percent on the pound. 107 and 122. What do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? All right, it is uh, 7:37 here in Chicago on March 24th. Starting off with sports, with some college basketball, we are down to the Sweet 16. And last night, Kansas State beat Michigan State 98 to 93. 
UConn beat Arkansas in a blowout, 88-65. FAU upset Tennessee, 62-55. And Gonzaga beat UCLA, 79-76. Over to hockey, the Blackhawks lost to the Capitals. When is that that season mercifully over for those guys? What was it? When is that season mercifully over for the Hawks? I I can't tell you. I'd I'd have to look that up to make sure. But... Yeah, one to one to six, so not a good game. Uh, but over to weather. Currently in Chicago, it's 36 degrees, mostly cloudy. Going to have a high of 40 degrees today. And over in Phoenix, are at 47 degrees, partly cloudy skies, and they're going to have a high of 67. Now, finally for Chicago traffic, uh, at the first hour we were looking at the uh, 90 and 94, the uh, uh, construction near the uh, uh, Kennedy. Um, and there's pretty heavy traffic from about Austin and. Toe, Toe, oh no, I had the street name wrong, Toey, 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 I think it was Toey, Toey, and that goes all the way to the junction at Fullerton, um, but now we're seeing this red in every inbound expressway, uh, whether the Stevenson, the Eisenhower, the Kennedy, it, if you're coming to the city today, it's pretty surprising, it's going to be a pretty slow day. I turn, I turn back if I were you. Yeah, yeah, it's not a good day <laughs> for traffic. Turn around, don't come. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, that's all I got. So, uh, Carl, now that I'm just reading the headlines here, I got three or four more things to ask you. The reason why I've been, honestly, the reason why I've been putting off the, the Fed conversation is because these guys are a day late on last week's balance sheet, and I kept hoping, I keep checking to see if it popped on here, but no such luck. Uh, um, yeah, what else is new, right? Yeah, so but here, I, do you remember, if anybody would recall, does he recall? Uh, British regulators soften stance on Microsoft Activision deal competition concerns. You... Do you remember Bill Gates was still running the place? I'm going to say this is a solid 15 years ago. And they were Microsoft, which has been one of the most egregious uh, monopolists in our era, and they managed because other people are judged to be worse. They just skate through. But one day they were they were buying somebody that they shouldn't have been buying, in my opinion, and uh, they ended up getting stopped at least for a while, for a little while, by our regulatory system. And the newspapers in, in the CNBC at the time, and so we actually we, we had more newspapers, they basically put Bill Gates over a barrel, like in the Middle Ages, and beat the crap out of him because he didn't know how to play the game. And how all these other firms had 25 lobbyists, and he only had two, and his budget for lobbying in Washington was $5 million and everybody else's was $30 million and how he just didn't get it, and that's why he ran into these sort of problems. And I remember reading those articles at the time going, does the moron right in this thing have any idea what he's saying about the, Mer- the American legal system and, and our future by writing these articles? Basically, it's your fault for not paying enough people off to get what you want done. At your size, you should be above the law. It was essentially the theme. Oh, yeah, what else is new? That's, that's CNBC's theme for, you know, and, and everybody else's theme. Um, you know, look at look at all the stuff that uh, you know that went on over the last three years. Well, I think Bill Gates. We, we, we'll, yeah. exe- we'll exempt you because you know. I mean, ordinary liability. You, as soon as uh, I mean, our hospital here, our local county hospital, had a eighty nine percent mortality rate across six months for people who went in there with with COVID. Seems like a and, lot. Uh, yeah, nine out of ten times you came out in a box. That's a lot. Um, well, you know what. Uh, there were plenty of other hospitals that had much, 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 much lower numbers, right? Um, 
wouldn't somebody look at these protocols and say, you know what, at some point that, that becomes medical malpractice and you get sued because my uncle is dead. But no, 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 we exempted them from this. From That kind of review can't take place because, by God, we these, these people are heroes. And you know what, we got the same thing. I, but, hey, listen, I'm sitting here with four screens up on Windows 11, okay, so... <laughs> you're, you're always one step ahead. I'm, I just went to 10. I'm just saying I'm not the guy, you know. Well, I. the only reason I went to 11 was I could go back because I have a backup system that allows me to say, okay, you know, bite that. Even if Microsoft doesn't like the idea of me reverting it, I can restore back to what I had before. And so I tried it. And, and actually, I, I found the performance is a little bit better. Uh, and and other than a bunch of annoying changes where icons show up on the bottom bar and stuff like that, which can be reverted, but you have to go, you know, put them back. Basically, they tried to make it look like a Macintosh, which uh-huh. is stupid. Um, but uh, so I left it, and it's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, XP, and and before that, I mean, Windows ninety five, Windows well, ninety eight, they, they blew a. Uh... The they guy. were crash monsters. Okay, every at three point one was even worse. Well, they killed every they five kill, minutes. They killed Word Perfect. Right? Well, yeah, they killed Word Perfect and, and and basically your Office. They killed Lotus essentially. Okay, because of Excel, right? Um, and so, uh, I mean, one thing after another with this with these guys, and but we have the same situation with phones. All right, there's two operating systems. Right, wait, 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 go back, get back to the hospital for a hair. Yeah, is, yeah. Is this because uh, so many people, when they're in the hospital, caught COVID in there and uh, and they just put it on the death certificate? Well, you know, there's there's that too. But you know what? Isn't it, isn't that interesting? You know, for for the last twenty years, we have managed to kill somewhere between one hundred and two hundred thousand Americans a year with things that they were given in the hospital. Well, yeah, that's why I want to go, I want to go near the place. Right. And you know, well, when my mother got colon cancer, uh by the way, I think they, that's where I caught covid wearing well, a mask in a hospital. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. When my mother had colon cancer, she's in pre-op. I'm up there. I I drove up to be there. And doc comes in and doesn't wash his effing hands before he goes to examine her. And I and there's a sink right there at the entrance to the room. I said, "What the blankety blank are you doing?" He's like, "Well, you know, I said, look, if you just if you just shook hands with a Muslim dude that you know, you know, uses his his hand to wipe his butt because that's uh, you know just culturally, um, would you go pick up a, a chicken nugget and eat it?" Actually, you probably could eat something. Your, your, your stomach's pretty good at taking care of that. Stuff. Well, he gave me he gave me a really dirty look and went over to the sink and washed his hands. All right, but I mean, you know, we we kill Semmelweis got drummed out of the medical. Well, the, the reason why I, I mentioned this, uh, Carl, is I have a very good friend, actually Audrey's best friend. Uh, well, actually, got a bunch of friends. I don't know who's best, but she, one of her best friends, and uh, her dad, was a real nice guy, uh, died uh, not that long ago, and uh, he was in the hospital for you know a bunch of stuff. He was ninety something, uh, and he ended up they had COVID on his death certificate. Yeah, and I said, uh, whatever the lady's name is, I said, you know, you should apply for the funeral expenses. Oh, absolutely. I mean, how many people know that? Does anybody? She goes, "What are you well, talking about?" I said, "I said just FEMA go on. will pay you." Yeah, I said FEMA will pay you for the funeral expenses. Yeah, and she she ends up getting a check for nine grand. 
Yeah, well, you know, but but here's the thing. Do you know why they put? Do you know why they put? Even if COVID really wasn't the reason. That well, they they get what they get a twenty five percent boost on the Medicare, right? Or something. That's like. correct. And so they they get paid a bonus because they could find this, whether it had anything to do with why you were there or not. I mean, they, during the middle of this thing, there were egregious cases where some guy wrapped his you know his cranium around a, a guardrail pole riding a motorcycle, and they counted that as a COVID death. Well, one of my good buddies, he played football for one of the Big Ten schools, and one of his teammates, and he's two, three years older than me, one of his teammates uh, had some kind of real bad prostate cancer. It got out. He was all messed up for a long time. And, and it was, uh, so, so he's basically circling the drain with the prostate cancer. <laughs> he gets he gets in the hospital. They got COVID on the death certificate. The guy's like, what? what are they? He was in there for yeah, two exactly. days. Yeah, you know? exactly. He's there because he had prostate yeah. cancer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, hey, anyway, I, what, I, what, I, what I want to get to, it, it kind of follows on with our discussion. Uh, I, uh. And I know that the listeners, when I say, if I'm over, I talk over your head, just let me know. And they say, no, don't ever dumb it down or we'll stop listening. At the risk of, of going a little bit too up in a, up in a skate here, uh, we have a situation where the Fed has raised interest rates this week to, uh, what, 5.25% or whatever, which right. means that they're going to draw continue to draw money out of the system so that money becomes dearer and dearer to member banks so that when they loan to each other over the over the overnight or over two days or three days that that rate will go up because there's not as much money in the system for those that don't know the fed doesn't quote raise rates or lower rates they manipulate the money in the system towards a target rate right. but on any given night if they say it's going to be 525 if if they had solomon work in there uh one night it would be 5.245, and the next night it's it's 5.255. Their target rate it's probably never at the target rate, but it's but that's what that's what they're shooting for. And usually it's a range. What it's five and a quarter, five and a half now, whatever. Well, do, well now it's a range that started yeah. after the ZERP thing, and they needed something other than zero. Right. So they uh, so, but they the minute they said that two weeks ago, that's why I keep looking for the Federal Reserve now. These bumps don't give us the monthly money, the weekly money supply anymore. But somebody's getting it, but it's not us, which is aggravates a little bit Jesus out of me, as everybody knows by now. Uh, but they do give us the Federal Reserve balance sheet, and from the weeks, just just so I can give you an idea of the scale of this, we topped out at eight point nine six five on April thirteenth. Trillion. A trillion on April thirteenth, uh, two thousand and twenty-two, and the Fed said we're going to start working down the balance sheet by a certain amount per month. And even though they've been uneven, they pretty much have done what they said. Uh, and they've gone from 8.965 to two weeks ago at 8.339. Okay, so they're down roughly $600 billion. The next week, they kicked up just a little bit, but no, no big deal. The week after, the week between March 8th and March 15th, Wednesday to Wednesday, they went from 8.342 to 8.639. So they essentially poured back in the system through their balance sheet. Now this doesn't equate to money supply, which I'm going to get into in a second. That's why I hope, hope people listen and not just their eyes glass over. They basically have, have put back almost half the money in the balance sheet in one week than it took them a year to take off, a year and a half to take off. Well, no year to take off. So I guess, but maintaining a money supply or maintaining the money in the pool is not easy. So a lot of what a lot of what you've heard in the last couple of weeks, this is why I need Carl to back me up, 
a lot of what you heard of if people go take their money out of the bank for whatever reason or they're afraid of this or they do that and uh you actually are lowering the money supply dramatically by doing that i mean people we we to a, we the population the, the all the all of us not the both of us the all of us in a lot of ways create the money supply going up or down and the fed's job is to monitor that and kind of referee so it doesn't grow too fast or, or, or go down too a little bit. So I think part of what the Fed has poured back in here, uh, Carl, is, is something to do with maybe how much the money supply has dropped by itself in the last week, week and they're just trying to make it even. But it seems like it's way too big of a number, doesn't it? Well, so there's, so there's a problem with these aggregates uh, in that they, they, sort of, they sort of do give you a picture and they sort of don't so in in a world of reasonably static conditions which of course haha that never exists right no uh i mean that's like you know what's what's the weather the next five minutes right uh in a world of reasonably static conditions they give you a lot of information the information content decreases rapidly as entropy and change goes up and this is one of the things. A lot, there's, there's been an awful lot of people yelling about how essentially all of the so-called quantitative tightening uh, that has taken place over the last year, something like 60 or 70 percent of it disappeared within you know within the last uh, you know two weeks, right? Yep. As a result, of uh, maybe more when we get last well, week's numbers. When we get the next one, right? The problem is that's a lie, and and the reason is this. Um, all of those those bonds that were out there uh, and and were sitting on the balance sheets of those banks those bonds are still there they were swapped for liquidity today but the there's there's this this common rubric that banking is inherently always a fraud because the bank essentially creates the money when they lend it to you okay uh, the problem with that is the bank's supposed to take back an asset that's worth what they loaned out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the net effect is supposed to be zero. It actually negative because you have to pay interest, right? And so right. the, you know, so the the car that you could have bought for cash for thirty thousand dollars, ha ha, not anymore. Now the average is you know what sixty, fifty eight or whatever. Uh, well, the average is like forty, but to get anything decent, it's probably fifty eight. Uh, yeah. I mean, I you know, I I went and looked at a at a half ton work truck. You know, final where did, seats. Where did you find you know, that? Oh, oh, you can't actually get it. That no, was, no, you, you can't know, buy was, one. Oh, God, no. Well, it was just like digging around, looking at you know building yeah. price, right? And, and fifty two thousand dollars for for a work truck that has you know, <laughs> yeah. It, it, I'm going to say in two thousand and eight, you can pull my you finger, could, guys. I'm sure you got a four wheel drive, but in in two thousand and eight, no, this is a two wheel drive. You, you, in in two thousand eight, the a Ford one fifty with nothing on it. Went for like nineteen or something, or eighteen or some. Maybe it was like sixteen. Somebody in the show went out oh, yeah. balling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, so uh, yeah, fifty grand. And I was like, you, you guys are smoking something. But you know, and then of course there are none. Well, thirty-one, thirty-one percent of the cars last year were bought over over list. I it it, it, it insanity. Yeah. But the thing is, is that so. During times like this, when you look at those kinds of aggregate numbers and statistics, uh, what you're actually seeing does not reflect the the economic reality on the ground or that which will come from inflation or whatever have you as a result. 
So I so I I'm very cautious about trying to to look at that. Now the M2 number is going to be very interesting because but of course Fred has it but it's you know 3 months behind. Well, um, let's put it this way, Carol. First question I would ask and I don't think he's a bad person that bleep Jay Powell if I was a congressman is so you don't you don't accumulate these numbers anymore, do you? Well, yeah, yes yeah. we well yes we do. So nobody gets well, How them? come I can't have How them? How come right. I can't have them? Who gets them? What do you mean, who gets them? I'm, just what I said, who gets them? Right. I mean, do you, um, you honestly uh, think that's only three people in the Fed, at the St. Louis Fed, are the only people with these numbers? And are the most Goldman's honest trading desk gets them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, the, that's the thing that, that you know, when, when you look at all the things that, like, the craziness over the last, you know, period of time, all the way back to the 2008 stuff, the, the Volucas report when it came out uh, on Lehman, on the Lehman collapse, Proved beyond any shadow of doubt that Citibank knew more than a month before Lehman blew up that they were bankrupt, and and everybody, their brother that was shorting it uh, over there, uh, that that was the biggest sucker play ever in the history of the, of the planet in terms of sucker punches. Because anyone that thinks that that they didn't know that 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 was a money good trade that there was no risk on it was you're nuts. Okay, well, Carl, I will, those, I will. And, and oh by the way. That tri-party repo that failed, why wasn't that public information five minutes after it happened? Well, when we had a, still have a client, um, I had lost seven figures on a Bear Stearns blow-up six months or a year before any of this happened. Yeah. It was one of the original off-balance sheet deals. And I, I'd be honest with you, I mean, I, I tell everybody I have a good day. I never put two and two together that it actually was it meant that Bear Stearns was going down. I, I I just didn't do it, Carl. I mean, I didn't have enough information. I I couldn't take that one single bit and say I because I didn't really know. I didn't. My brother talks to more than I do. I did. I don't I mean. I mean, he did, it's not his business to quiz the guy and what exactly the deal was or whatever. He knew it was a right. Bear Stearns off balance sheet thing, and everybody lost everything. I mean, I I guess there's no real reason for me to have put two and two together, but whenever something goes down with somebody's name on it that they can't save, usually it means there's a problem, right? Uh, normally, yeah. <laughs> right, so what do you, we don't have that much time. What do you make of this Deutsche Bank thing, and who the hell is still selling credit default swaps? Who thinks they're big enough to to insure Deutsche Bank? Um, I, you know, I guess the, the biggest question that I have with all of this is is... is I, I don't understand where anybody gets the idea that these that these things actually mean anything anymore, other than speculative bets. Okay, I mean at at least at, at least the reality of it is is that when you buy when you when you short a futures contract on oil or whatever, uh, even though you're not actually going to take delivery on the oil, uh, you're doing it as a financial trade. Same thing with the S and P's. Of course, you know the S and P futures are cash settled, so there's you know you can't take shares of the S and P five hundred. Uh, those trades do have somebody on the other side of them that can actually pay, and they do pay if you hold them to expiration. Okay, they they they, they cash settle. They they really do cash settle. Anybody that thinks that that credit default swaps uh, on Deutsche Bank are going to cash settle is uh, you're nuts. They're not. Well, you're but you're insuring, but but you're not because there's no the the. It, it's it's essentially a bet that the company's going to end up in receivership. Right. It, that's what it is. 
It, it, that's all it is. And, and anybody that thinks that you actually have bought insurance against the failure, I, the, no, you haven't. Well, that, we but that's, that's the way it's sold. I understand that, but didn't we learn in 2008 that no, it isn't? Well, when AIG was it AIG that had 40% of all the houses in California they sold mortgage insurance to, they, like they could insure a whole state? Nobody's that I, big. You know, it's, it, well, and then you have the same kind of thing that's happened down in Florida where, that you know, with all the, the, the so-called property insurers have all set up these little pup companies that have no, expo- you have absolutely no recourse to the, the broader base of their insured customers, all right, and yet they market themselves as blah, blah, blah firm. Yeah. All right, well, guess what? That's fraud. And in, and in any kind of honest... Not if you're big deal. enough, Carl. Not if you're big Well, you know what? If you or I tried that, we'd go to jail. Oh, God, yeah. No doubt. All right. And I, and I am tired of this sort of nonsense within the economics world. Um, and, you know, but it's the same sort of thing as we were talking about, you know, trying to change the way the GDP is looked at. And it's, it is for the same sort of reason, because we have seen so much of this. And it drove so much of what happened over the last three years. But not just the last three years... It's been 15 years since the 2000. Oh, it's, yeah, it's been a long time. It's not. This is none of yeah. the stuff that's happening is no. Hey, I have a. Maybe you can explain something to me. I'll just be Lucy on this one. All I'm reading in the last one, well, not all, but it, it constantly fl- flips across. Somebody will listen, will send something in, or I'll see something. Uh, Crane Chicago Business is. Uh, you remember those guys? They dig into these kinds of stories, and they're they're because State Farm is located in Illinois, and so is Allstate. Right. Uh, all they're talking about is the, the the billions of dollars these guys have lost on auto insurance in the last two or three years. I mean, I guess during COVID they made a bunch of money because nobody drove. Nobody but went now, anywhere, right? But now all of a sudden, uh, not only are they losing dough, but the price of the used cars to replace the car is so high. To, whatever it is, but explain to me something real simple to me, for a simpleton that I am. How is it that if they're losing nothing but money on every car insurance policy, that the people I recognize the most on earth are Jake from State Farm and the Allstate guy, Mister Chaos, whatever the hell he is. Isn't that funny? And the guy, and the Geico, uh, you know, lizard. Yeah, and then what the other guy from uh, Farmers? They won't give the little girl the balloon. Yeah, uh, but I mean, those guys were all over the Super Bowl. They're spending millions. Let me get this straight: if I lose money on every every Christmas tree I bought, do I really want to bring two trucks next time? <laughs> I mean, duh. I, I I just there's a lot in this world like Kevin just said earlier is everything messed up and it's almost like you know I I don't know what it, what it is uh, but there doesn't seem to be any just as a real quick we got like one second we had a, a thing in Chicago this week Carol last week where two guys get arrested for a carjacking like in the middle of the night somewhere I think it was they they, they throw the 18 year old in jail they send the 16 year old back to his parents custody of his parents. What kind of a custody of his parents giving him at 2.30 in the morning he's out hijacking a car? Well, it, it, you know, we, we have the, the collapse of these schemes when the, when the ability to paper it all over with zero interest rates is gone, and it is. It's not coming back. Those people are in the market right now that think that that is going to return your nuts. Uh, and when, when all of that, when you have to tie out those balance sheets, um, it, it is going to be years 
maybe maybe the end of the decade or more before we turn the corner on this thing. It's just getting started. I think you're probably right. Hey, have a good week, buddy. Talk at you next Friday, if not sooner. SP Futures, we're coming back. You're only down 25. Nasdaq is only down 56. We've come uh, a third of the way back, so that's pretty good. Be back on Monday, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.